0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. I'm your host, Kurt Linville. Hey, the Associated Press this morning just released a headline that says that over 1.5 billion globally asked to stay home to escape virus. Wow, this is probably the biggest social and economic experiment that has ever been conducted. Today's show is committed to remote working. I think that there are a lot of benefits, actually, that can come from people working from home, and I have a lot of tips and advice about how to work home successfully so that the economy keeps on charging along and so that your career is in no way endangered by the remote work. But first, a quick look at the numbers. There are now just over a third of a million coronavirus cases. One third of one million. Sounds like a lot of people. But again, if you think about the size of the world's population at 7.7 billion people, then this is still a very low percentage. Of those people, 100,616 have recovered. And I like watching that number grow. That's worldwide. In the United States, as of midnight Greenwich Mean Time, There were 33,546 cases, and we're reporting nearly 10,000 new ones. But that 10,000 new number is really based on the number of test kits that are finally being processed. It does not mean that the virus is spreading that quickly. It means we're finally getting information. Now, inside of the United States, the by state totals are a little bit more telling New York, wow 16,900, nearly 17,000 cases in New York, people send some love to New York they're going to need it, that is the epicenter in the United States right now, no other state even comes close, Washington is reporting about 2,000 cases, New Jersey about 2,000 cases, California 1,800 cases Illinois 1,000, Michigan 1,000, Florida 1,000 These numbers are going to get much, much larger before they flatten out and start to get smaller again. We know this. That's the way that these things work. We also know that as we get more information, we'll be able to make better decisions on how to manage this crisis. So even though the numbers are building up because we're finally getting test kits back, we need a lot more testing, a lot more testing, and it's going to make these numbers look like they're really, really shooting up. But the reality is currently that's not really an indicator Of the real spread and growth of the virus. I would like to, in the way of a case study, report what's going on in Gunnison County. I mentioned this in the earlier shows. Gunnison is where we live, it's a small mountain community, somewhat isolated from the rest of the world. I think it makes an interesting case study about how the spread of this virus is going and the impacts that may be happening, not only in our small community, but around the world. About a week ago, Gunnison took extreme social distancing measures, uh, shutting down the ski area, restaurants. Most businesses, either they can work with a drive through or some sort of curbside service or they're closed. The only businesses that are allowed to remain fully open right now are grocery stores, hardware stores, hospitals, clinics, gas stations, and the like. And what's the result of all of that? Well, about a week ago, we had eight positive cases in our county of 17,000. And after this week of testing and extreme social distancing, we see 33 cases right now. Now, that's a good percent increase, but most of those cases had to already exist prior to the start of the social distancing. Uh, Something that's also interesting is that of the people for which we have test results back, 34 have come back negative. So 33 positive, 34 negative, which means that more than half of the people tested did not have COVID-19. I think that that's also noteworthy and meaningful. We need to realize that just because you have symptoms doesn't mean that you have the disease. Uh, COVID-19 does mimic a lot of other illnesses like a, a cold or a mild flu, so pretty common. In Gunnison, the only people that are being tested right now are those that are in one of the more extreme, endangered populations or people that can verify that they've come in contact with someone who has tested positive for the virus. So, what does this mean for our mountain community? Wow, the economic impact of shutting down spring break is going to be vast. Already, many in the services industries have been laid off, and tourism in Gunnison County makes up one of the, if not the biggest chunk of our local economy. So this is a big impact. The way that we're going to weather it best is if we can minimize the amount of time that this has to continue on. Of course, this is a bit of an unknown right now, so it's something we're certainly looking forward to. In way of encouragement, I want to talk now about remote working, and I see this as a possible real benefit for the planet during these troubled times. There is so much to be said on this topic that I'm turning it into a two-part series, and today's show is going to go a few minutes longer than it normally does. Working from home. You know, a little bit of vocabulary. Some people call it working remotely. Some people call it remote working. Some people call it telecommuting. Some people call it location independence. But whatever you decide to call it, it's not the same as reporting to an office to work every day. With modern technology, many jobs can be done remotely just as well or even better than they can be done from an office location. And if we're going to keep our economy chugging along during this crisis, then people need to remain productive and we need people to be able to do remote work as much as possible. So here's some advice about working remotely. Now, I've had the honor and the privilege to work from a remote location for probably the last 25 years of my career and I learned a few things so I'd like to share what I've learned about remote working because I think it'll make you more successful what you don't want is working from a remote location to somehow get in the way of your career or your productivity those sorts of things so right out of the shoot I want to give some advice but that said I also am a huge proponent of remote working even in normal times. I believe that this is something that our nation and the world needs to adopt for a variety of reasons, which I'll go over later, but I am a huge proponent of remote working. It's something we need to be doing all the time, not just in the times of crisis. And so I'm going to explain why I feel that way and try to explain the advantages of remote working. But first, a little bit of advice. If you are working from home, Do not simply get up and start working and muddle through your day. What I mean by that is, it's real tempting to get out of bed, you still have on your pajamas, you grab a cup of coffee, and you sit down at your desk and start plowing through. For people that are productive, this is a huge temptation. However, it's not a good idea. Rather, get up and get ready for work like you're going to an office. Take your shower Put on some decent clothes. Now, you you can use casual clothes, of course. You're working from home. But feel clean and energized to start your day. Leave the house multiple times per day. You need to take a morning walk or ride your bike to a coffee shop to start the day. You need to be doing evening exercise. The reason is when you just get out of bed, stay in the house all day, and end up going back to bed, it actually causes most people to enter into kind of a lethargic semi-depressed, or even full depression state of mind, and you can't do that. We have to get out. The days need to be marked with sunshine in our face. We normally get that just in our commute to the office, but working from home, you'd be amazed how lethargic you become and how life seems to lose meaning. So get up, go outside. I don't care where you go or what you do, but spend a few moments breathing fresh air, seeing what's going on outside, making sure that you've engaged with the outside world before you start working. And I love the idea of riding your bike to a coffee shop. I mean, you ride for five minutes, you start your day at the coffee shop, and that's a beautiful thing about remote working. With a laptop, you should be able to work from just about anywhere. Uh, Of course, you want to find places where you can be productive. But starting your day, going through morning emails in a coffee shop can be a beautiful way to get out and uh, give yourself that little dose of sunshine that we all need to stay happy. Of course, during this coronavirus threat, the coffee shops are not a good idea. But once this is over, I think the coffee shops are a great idea. Report your productivity to your superiors, whether they ask for it or not. We all want our superiors to assume that we're being productive and giving it the company you know, it's, its due. However, how will they really know unless somehow you... Let them know what you got done. Now, I'm going to talk more at length about this in just a minute because this is one of the biggest issues with working remotely is management has a hard time managing people they can't see. So since you're taking away the ability for them to observe you in an office, you have to be very overt, intentional about making sure that they know what you are accomplishing. That might be an email at the end of every day that says, hey, I did these things today. What else do you want me to do? Anything that that clues them in that you've been productive. You have to take personal responsibility. Some people aren't very good at this. You know, they need someone hanging over their shoulder, cracking the whip. But if you are an adult, learn personal responsibility and self-discipline because you are your own boss when you're working remotely. It's critical that you take personal responsibility and you'll find that personal responsibility makes the rest of your life better anyway. So if you don't know personal responsibility, it's time to grow up. Do it. Number six, use all the tools. So when you're working remotely, there are a lot of ways that you can stay in touch with coworkers and management, and it's critical that you use all the tools to do it. You can text people on their cell phones. You can make phone calls. And I would encourage you to make phone calls. Um, Our modern society tends to shy away from phone calls. Do it. People need the personal interaction. They need to hear your voice. Use email a lot. Use video chats. You can, instead of a phone call, you can do a video chat and see someone's face. Good idea. That eye contact, that face-to-face time is very, very important. Skype for business, um, chat sessions, cell phone alerts. What I mean by that is, you know, you're going to walk away from your desk to take a bio break or what have you. You need to know if someone's trying to find you. So set your cell phone up, your smartphone up, so it's going to let you know when you're getting emails or if someone's trying to contact you on Skype or if you have a meeting coming up. Use the technology to your advantage. You don't want to find yourself unreachable. That's a bad thing. If someone needs you in a hurry, they need to be able to find you. Someone asks if you're going to be in the office or working on a given day. This is a real common thing when you use remote working. People will ask, well, are you going to be in the office? And that's because they have an old school backwards expectation about how to conduct business. And those are strong words, but I'm going to support those later. The response that you give is an opportunity to correct this backwards old school thinking. You can say something like, I am always in the office, even if I'm working remotely. Just call or message me. They always need to be reminded that you are on the job regardless of your physical location. And I would say this all the time to people that would use that kind of language, and they would roll their eyes, and I'd say, well, it's true, and then they would get it, right? Now, working from a remote location does have one disadvantage, and I believe it's only one disadvantage. That is that humans like to see people face-to-face. So FaceTime matters. That's how we develop interpersonal relationships, So our professional relationships and even, you know, more of the personal friendships that develop in an office space, that's not going to happen if you're never with the other people. So you do need to get to a common area and spend time together periodically. I don't know how much time together is required, and during this time with coronavirus, it's going to be none, right? So it might be a good idea to employ some of those video chats, things like that, so you can get the feeling of people's expressions and their body language, because that's part of what it means to be human. FaceTime does matter. Don't forget that. If you cheat your company, don't expect your career to survive. And what I mean by cheat your company is pretending to be on the job when you're not really on the job, when you know that you're watching YouTube or television movies, instead of doing what they're paying you to do. That is called theft. That's cheating your company. So grow up, be an adult, and if you can't practice the self-control necessary to stay on the job when you're supposed to be working, then you're going to have to get a job where a manager is breathing down your neck all the time. It's just the bottom line, right? So if you don't know how to practice self-control and keep from cheating your company, then uh, you're not cut out for telecommuting. You're not cut out for this remote working Now here in a little bit, I'm gonna talk about not just remote working, but something more along the lines of location independence and time independence. And I'll explain what those terms mean in a little bit, but cheating your company doesn't mean you have to chain yourself to your desk from eight to five every day. That's not necessarily what it means. What it means is that you are accomplishing what the company is paying you to accomplish. And that might mean, depending on the company, that you need to make sure you are available during normal working hours, but it can be done in a variety of ways. The bottom line is you are fulfilling the requirements of the agreement with your company. You're doing the work they're paying you to do. Oh, and I just thought about one more piece of advice that's really important. Take lots of short breaks. You should probably get up from your desk for, you know, 3 to 5 minutes once every 30 minutes. You will actually be more productive, a lot healthier and a lot happier if you do that. The the human body wasn't made to sit doing one thing for 8 hours straight or 12 hours straight or whatever, you know, it may be. You really have to break up the day to remain focused so that you can be productive. So very important take lots of short breaks matter of fact i like to use a productivity timer on my smartphone so i get a little chime that tells me oh you just did 25 minutes of work so take a five minute break i uh, sometimes will go use a restroom or you know grab a cup of water or something or sometimes i'll just do some push-ups or some jumping jacks or stick my head out the door and see the sunshine for five minutes whatever it takes it will make you much more productive Now, let's talk about how this remote working actually works. Um, Not all jobs are good for remote working. I mean, clearly, if you're on a construction site or you're um, running a grocery store, you're working retail, maybe you're a a police officer or a firefighter, um, those sorts of jobs don't do well for remote working full time because you have to be on location. Maybe you're in the manufacturing industry. Okay, you have to report to the job site to do the work. We get that. A lot of those jobs, however, do have paperwork that can be done remotely, so you can employ part-time remote work, maybe one day a week or some hours of each day. However, I understand that not all jobs can be done from a remote location, but a lot of jobs in the United States, in our modern world, can be done from a remote location. I don't know what the percentage is, but my guess is it's probably half or more jobs in the United States, could be done without ever reporting to an office. So I'm talking to you people that have the type of jobs where you don't have to go into an office to get the work done, and the reason is because of modern technology. We all have internet in our homes, and the internet speeds have improved to the point that you can be very efficient, and there are two things that make this possible. First, uh, company networks have to protect themselves from the rest of the internet, You don't want hackers coming in and getting into your company's data. So companies set up a firewall. So imagine for a moment that you had a computer network at your office and it was not connected to the internet in any way. It was just a local office with a local network. Then no one would be able to hack in from the internet and cause any disruptions. But in our modern day, we do need to communicate with uh, people that are not in that local office. So rather than isolating the network... IT professionals create firewalls, and firewalls are essentially network blocks that don't allow unauthorized computers to interface with that local network. So that's why you'll have a login and a password and probably some sort of second authentication service, and the firewall then protects the company's data. So if you own a company and you don't have this set up yet, you are way behind the times. (laughs) So get with it. Now, the second thing is called VPN. VPN is a virtual private network. Some people call it a VPN tunnel. The idea is that the communications between remote workers and the office network goes through a virtual private network. This is an encrypted data channel. And that way they're allowed to punch through the firewall. And all of those communications with the company's network then are protected from eavesdroppers or hackers or people that might find a way to... uh, acquire data and use it nefariously with the firewall and the vpn working from a remote location is uh, is very safe for your company's data intellectual property needs to be protected but these things have proven to be very um, efficient at doing so if you've never worked remotely before you're going to have to be able to use a virtual private network a vpn to get through the firewall to access the company's local network That's how it works. Now, where can you do this? You can do this anywhere that you can get internet. Keep in mind that in public spaces on public Wi-Fi, people do sit around and try to find underprotected machines and steal passwords and that sort of thing. But once the VPN tunnel is set up, they really can't do that anymore. So um, practice some caution, of course, but you can work virtually from any location where you have Wi-Fi or even where you can set up a hotspot with your smartphone. That means you might be able to work on a park bench in the park. However, where you choose to work matters for your own productivity. So you're going to have to make sure that you choose locations that help you personally to be productive. And different people have different tolerances for busy environments, loud environments, quiet environments. This is actually one of the huge benefits of telecommuting or remote working, you can choose the environment that makes you the most productive. For a lot of people, an office environment is not the most productive space. Matter of fact, for some people, it's like pulling hair out to try to get anything done in an office space. A lot of that you know, may depend on the office culture, but regardless, that's one of the huge benefits of telecommuting. You can work in the environment that best suits you for productivity. Now let's talk for a minute about old school management versus 21st century realities. We don't live in the early 1900s anymore. From the time of the Industrial Revolution, when people in mass started working for companies rather than on the family farm. Then rules were put into place to try to manage these people and keep them productive. And so one of the things that was very common is you would show up and you would clock in to say, "Hey, I got here on time." And you would clock out when you were done at the end of the day so that they would know that that's when you quit working and they're not going to pay you for when you're not in the office, right? This is this, this kind of stuff developed a mindset about working that's actually very damaging in the 21st century. Um, there is also the mindset that if you were in the office and the manager could put eyeballs on you, then you are at work. But as we know, that's not always the case. Many people are in the office and they're accomplishing almost nothing. So just being in the office doesn't mean that you're being productive, that you're fulfilling that agreement between you and the company to produce what they're paying you to produce. Management often gets locked into this idea that if they see you, you must be doing your job. Well, that's not the case. We got to get past that. That is old school thinking. I'm going to provide you with a statistic that is true but shocking. And I when I first looked into this, I I was very alarmed by it. The average American worker is productive less than 3 out of 8 hours a day. I'm not kidding. The U.S. Department of Labor and Statistics has done studies, as have other organizations, and they have found that on average, the American worker is productive maybe two and a half hours a day. When I first heard this, I thought, who are these lazy butts? (laughs) Seriously, Because in my career, I had to be productive the vast majority of the day. And if I wasn't productive for eight hours, I'd be working 12 hours to catch up. That's the world that I'm accustomed to. But on average, most people are not that productive. And I think it has a lot to do with a lot of personal things that they take care of during the workday. It has to do with the conversations around the coffee pot. It has to do with the, the Monday morning quarterbacking of the people that watch Sunday night football. Um, whatever the, the reasons are. It's just very common for workers to not be on task. And you know part of that is human nature too. But I would have thought at least four hours or five hours or six hours of the day people are productive. But the truth is, it's only about two and a half hours a day. And I'm telling you this not so you'll think, oh, I only need to work two and a half hours a day. That would be ridiculous. Rather, I'm saying this for the managers out there for management, the decision makers. If you're only getting two and a half hours of productivity out of your workers each day, then there's a problem. Does having them sit in an office space in any way assure that they're getting more work done? And in our modern world, it doesn't. Matter of fact, I would say just the opposite is often true. When you're in an office space, then you are constantly interrupted. Uh, People are coming over to check about this or check about that or to share this story or you know people go grab a coffee and get stuck at the the water cooler, whatever it is, the office space is a highly interruptive environment. Telecommuting or working remotely can be just the opposite. You can work in the space that is most conducive for productivity, right? That means that people can get more work done. Well, here's another question. If on average you're only getting two and a half hours of work out of people, then what good is it for them to be sitting in that office space for eight to 12 hours a day? What a complete waste of a life. Think about it. Now, if you can use remote working as a reward system that will encourage workers to be uh, more attentive to getting their work done, then you might find that you're getting more productivity out of your workers than ever before. And that's not because they had to sit in an office. Rather, it's because you change the way you measure their productivity. Old school management versus 21st century realities. We have to get past the idea of clocking in and clocking out We have to get past the idea of, I see you over there. We have to get past the idea of, I'm going to walk into your cube and chew you out if I don't like the way you're working. Those old ideas don't work anymore. They may have been necessary back in the early 20th century, but we don't live there anymore. (laughs) That's ancient history at this point. So, we need this new way of thinking. Rather than using an office presence or a time clock to try to estimate productivity, what we need to do is adopt productivity reporting. This is a very simple concept and it's very flexible. You can do it in a variety of ways. But productivity reports are when your workers just make a list of all the things that they got done in a given day or a given week. My recommendation is not to do it daily because that becomes overwhelming. There's no way you're going to review them all and people don't have time to tell you every single thing that they did during the day. But rather keep it more general, like larger scale and have a productivity report and make a form for it so everyone's using the same form and it can be filled in very, very efficiently. But that way you can see what all of your workers accomplished about once a week, maybe every Friday. They turn it in and say, hey, this is what got done this week. It also helps the workers then to reflect on what they actually did get done. And they will self-monitor so much better. I mean, we manage what we measure, right? People think, oh, I was productive. I went into the office and I got a bunch of stuff done. And then in reality, they only worked two and a half hours that day. They got very little done. But if workers sit down and make a list of their accomplishments, then it encourages them to accomplish more. I mean, there is actual real accountability there. And then it no longer matters if someone is sitting in an office, whether the manager can see the worker or not. It no longer matters if you clocked in or you clocked out. All that matters is how much you got done. Now, managers, keep in mind that people are getting far less done than you think they are. (laughs) So when you first start using these productivity reports, you might be like, what the heck? How come they're not getting more work done? Well, the truth is they never were getting more work done. And now you have the opportunity to set up a reward system to encourage people to be more productive. I really believe that this has to be the future of working for a lot of reasons. Here's some other old school management thinking. Lording over people versus empowering people. If you think that you have to lord over people and force them to work, cracking the whip all the time, setting up an environment of threats and and fear, then you are really messing up. Managing that way only works short-term at best and uh, it should not be employed. Empowering is just the opposite. Empowering is when people feel respected, they feel human, they feel like they are investing in the productivity of the company to the future of the company and they want to be a part of it and they are empowered To use self control to work hard so they can have a better outcome. Learning how to empower your workers is the key to productivity. Lording over them never did work. I'd like to talk briefly about the psychology of great leadership. There has been a huge amount of research done about behavioral modification and motivation and human psychology. I would encourage anyone in management to learn these things because it will help them to get their workers more productive and happier and more efficient. And listen, a happy worker is a productive worker, right? I'm going to read you a little brief summary of how this works. If you make others feel respected and valuable, then they will do incredible feats for you, even beyond what one would expect from a fellow human. This is because nearly everyone on the planet wants to feel valuable and useful as a human. They want to be a contributor to greatness. If you make others feel unappreciated and threatened, and in that spirit make demands of them, then out of fear and discomfort, they will initially respond. However, given enough time, they will despise you and find ways not to serve, while wasting time and energy complaining. People will quit or resist. No one thrives for long when threatened. This is why most teenagers rebel against their parents. It is the parents' own fault. Parents fear losing control and reputation and worry about their teens' well-being. Well, hopefully. So they try to control them and make demands. The teens will not tolerate being thus insulted and dehumanized. This is not a philosophy. It is a proven human psychology. It is science tested and tried. There are psychotic exceptions, of course, but that is another matter. If you can sort out how to do the former and reserve the latter for only the most rare and most extreme circumstances, then you will be a great leader indeed. There's a lot more that I would like to share on the topic of remote working. And if you're a manager and you would like to learn more, feel free to contact me. You can contact me at clinville at com, And I would gladly share more about this. There's much more to be said about remote working, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow's show because this is already getting long. The goal here is for managers and their reports to better handle this remote working that's been thrust on America. Managers, you should probably send out a written policy that highlights your expectations, but keep those expectations reasonable. Keep in mind, you've probably been getting less than three hours of productivity out of your employees anyway. So set something up that rewards your workers and motivates them to be more diligent and to get even more done than they did when they reported to the office. It's it's very simple to do. And the key to this is the productivity report. If you find yourself working from a remote location for the first time in your career, then think about the nine or ten points of advice that I provided. These uh, ten points at the beginning of the show will assure that you can work from a remote location successfully, that your career can advance, and that you can even do better on your job than you were when you were forced to report to an office. Here's a little anecdote that came from the Economics podcast that I found interesting. During the Beijing Olympics in China, China worked really, really hard to reduce air pollution. They did so by limiting driving, even shutting down some factories temporarily. They managed to lower air pollution by about 30% for the Olympics. A somewhat surprising benefit of this, besides making Beijing look better for the Olympics for the world to see, was that the very young, and the very old, who are suffering from respiratory challenges because of the air pollution, their death rate dropped dramatically. And now satellite imagery has shown that China's extraordinary efforts to shut down coronavirus has again reduced the pollution by about 20% in China. And this allowed social and environmental economists to run the numbers based on what happened around the Beijing Olympics. And the expectation is that The death rate among the very young and the elderly that would have come from air pollution is being reduced by 50,000 people. That's surprising. So there were a little over 3,000 people so far that have died from coronavirus in China. But because of the extreme measures that China took because of coronavirus, 50,000 lives are to be saved. Now, economists are quick to say that's not a fair cost-benefit analysis, and we don't want coronavirus to spread and disrupt lives any more than it already has. That's not the point. The point is, telecommuting reduces air pollution significantly and saves a lot of lives. So there is a silver lining in the clouds that make up this horrible storm. We're learning things that may benefit humanity from now on. We're learning more about how remote working can save lives and help the planet and help society at large. I'm gonna visit more about this tomorrow. There are so many ways that remote working can benefit us. Until then, please do look for the silver lining. Find the benefits. Celebrate the time that you're having at home and with your family. We will weather this storm apart yet together. I'm Curt Linville, and this show is produced by Caleb Linville. Until tomorrow, be safe out there.